Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm grateful you're joining me today for a new interview. And this one's a little bit different than most because I have not one but two guests on today. And those guests are Wendy Daly and John Thurmond, and they are the co-hosts of the HR Social Hour podcast, which is broadcast weekly anywhere you can listen to podcasts, as well as they host a bi-weekly Twitter chat on Twitter. And let me just give you their bios real quick so you know a little bit more about my guests who are on. John Thurman is the Mid-Atlantic Regional Human Resources Manager for Team Fischel, an engineering and utility construction firm. His experience includes working in the construction, public utility, healthcare, and accounting and finance industries in roles encompassing employee and labor relations, recruiting, training, and HR leadership. John is nationally recognized as a speaker on social media recruiting, workforce development, and podcasting. And of course, as I mentioned, he is the co-host and producer of the HR Social Hour, Half Hour Podcast, and Twitter Chat with their, his co-host, Wendy Daly, who I mentioned earlier. And Wendy is a talent acquisition professional in South Dakota with over 20 years of experience in human resources. She's worked in a variety of industries, including healthcare, construction, airlines, and banking. Wendy is active in her local and state SHRM groups and Disrupt HR. She's the co-host, again, as I mentioned, of the HR Social Hour, Twitter chat, and podcast. And this interview, we have a kind of a chat. We did this live on LinkedIn, and we chat about the state of HR and talent development, where things are going, what might be missing from talent development. And a little bit of perspective from Wendy and John, since they also interview a lot of guests on their podcast, The HR Social Hour. If you haven't heard of The HR Social Hour, I recommend you check it out if you're in HR. You go to episode, I believe it's 103, and you can hear their interview with me on that show in which we talked about how I got started in talent development, how I organized the first conference that we did, the Talent Development Think Tank, which happened a few weeks ago as well as my favorite movie, favorite musician, and favorite TV show, and many other things that we talked about during the HR Social Hour. And if you're lucky, you might even get to hear my children barging into the room, which they did because it's one of the few interviews I've done where I recorded it at night and I could not stop them from coming in. It was a bit of a BBC moment, if you remember the guy who was on BBC trying to shuffle his kids out of the room during a live interview. Anyway, that's all I have for you. Again, it's uh, Wendy and John from the HR Social Hour. Check out their podcast. And don't forget, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please hit subscribe. And if you haven't left a review, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. They do help other people find the podcast. And if you're not connect with me on, connected with me on LinkedIn and not following me on social media, I would love for you to do that. I am posting daily on LinkedIn, as well as pretty regularly on Instagram and a little bit less often on Twitter as well, but trying to get a little bit more active there and just trying to add as much value as I can out there in the community and engage with people who are doing the same. So I'd love to connect with you. So don't forget to subscribe, connect, follow, 
and I will see you around. So without further ado, here is my interview with Wendy and John from the HR. So if you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast. It's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Social Hour Podcast. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited that you are joining me today, whether on the recording or live on LinkedIn. I've got a special treat for you because I have John Thurman and Wendy Daly from the HR Social Hour Podcast. And it's rare that I get to have not only other podcasters on, but that we get a trio uh, conversation <laughs> going instead of uh, one one. you guys do on a regular basis. So welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it, Andy. Us. Yeah. Excited uh, to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. We just did a, uh, an interview on your show that will be coming out in February. And now we get to flip the script here. And I would love to start with a little bit of background and understanding of what each of you do for work. And we can get into the HR Social Hour, which I think is just a great movement that you've put together, not only with the podcast, but especially on Twitter as well. So Wendy, why don't we start with you? Sure. So I have been in talent acquisition for right around 20 years. Currently work for a healthcare system that's based out of South Dakota, one of the largest ones in this area, and recently moved into strategy. So doing some workforce planning, working on some projects, getting into a lot of DNI and how we can improve what we do when it comes to bringing talent into our organization. So excited to be able to work on talent acquisition rather than a grind. <laughs> what about you, John? Been a human resources practitioner for, gosh, 20 years now. Started my career in recruiting, became a supervisor, and then decided I wanted to go work with unions for a while and got into a labor relations role. Got downsized in that company and had to go find myself. That's when I discovered social media, particularly from an HR perspective. And then now I'm an HR manager for a construction company based here in Richmond, Virginia. I do all the front office kind of things, you know, when it comes to recruiting, employee investigations, training, those types of things. I don't touch payroll. I don't touch benefits much, but <laughs> get to do all the other the other stuff that I enjoy doing. Like I said, I started my career as a teacher. So the training and development's a, a passion of mine, an interest of mine, and was fortunate to to find a place where I was able to do a little bit of all the things I enjoy doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know right before we started recording, I said, hey, we're going to talk about talent development. Is there anything that you're particularly passionate about? And Don said, yeah, we just need more of it. That's right. Yes. So, for sure. Um, tell me a little bit more about your interest, passion there. And when you say more of it, what do we need? How can we make talent development better? I think that there are some tremendous opportunities out there. You know, let's face it, it used to all be classroom learning. And, you know, I get my class of 5, 10, 15, whatever it is, get up and be in stand up conversation, book learning, whatever it may be. I think there are so many other alternatives now, low cost, no cost, and accessible 24-7, right? In other words, I don't have to schedule that class. I don't need those 20 people to all see it at the same time. Maybe it's a webinar. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's some other type of beyond just giving them a book saying, hey, go study. I think there are a lot of different tools and tricks out there that we don't use necessarily very well in some cases. And that I, I think it's just a matter of making sure that the people that have the opportunity to deliver that training are doing it right and that they they understand what's out there and that people are willing to give it a shot. Let's face it, change management's probably I have always found change management to be one of the worst things that most companies do, right? They just don't do it very well because they don't teach people how to do it. And then you go through these big changes. Again, let's say it's delivering training or changing the way you deliver training. 
We never really get people to explain why there's a need for change. How do I get them excited about it? How do I make sure that I give them the tools then to be effective and whatever that is, and then reinforce the fact that we're making those changes? Most people don't. They just drop things out and say, hey, guess what? We're changing things. People are scared. They don't understand. It's a problem. And it bums me out. <laughs> but I, I've seen it in a lot of places I've been. And it's something I, again, I'm just, I'm passionate about the fact that as we talked about on our show, I think that leaders in particular, new leaders often are put in those jobs because they are, are producers. They do well. They know their yep. they know their craft. They may not have a clue what it means, though, to teach somebody else or to coach somebody to have difficult conversations about performance. And this is what I expect from you. This is what the company expects from you. We struggle. And if they don't get better, to your point, then they leave. I'm not getting what I need here. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in that training space to, to do things differently, to offer it in different ways. And, and I think we just don't utilize those enough. Yeah, no doubt. And I um, mean, you're speaking my language there, especially about culture change or change initiatives, change management. So many companies, so many executives and leaders think, we'll just put together a PowerPoint explaining <laughs> what we're changing and we'll have a town hall and we'll send the yep. deck out in an email and then everybody will follow this and they will go with the new strategy. That's right. And right. Yep. And then what actually exactly. happens is people open it and they're like, yeah, whatever, this will change. I'm just going to go back to what I <laughs> was doing right. before. I, I can I wait to, it out. I can wait it out. <laughs> right. I used to say I worked for a company that literally when they bought new acquisitions, where it was in the power business. So we'd buy a new power plant. We literally would walk in, run our company flag up the flagpole, jam SAP in as the system of record. And that was it. That was it. We never understood culture or got them to understand culture. And right. so it took years. There are some that were, I, I've been gone from that organization for a while. It took years and some, and, and I think they still struggle because they didn't get people to understand this is how and why we do the things we do. This is why we're successful. Oh, by the way, this is why we're the ones that are buying this company because you're not being successful and right. somebody else couldn't figure out a way to make it successful. Mm -hmm. But but they don't do that. They literally just run up the, and they give you a new shirt. So you get a new shirt with a new logo on it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you, get, <laughs> I mean, on, if you give people a t-shirt, they're they're pretty much on board. They're in. Like, they're, they're, in. Yeah, right. they're, they're on board unless they start washing their car with it. But yeah, you've got to gain alignment. And a lot of times that, that starts with engagement. It starts from the top, people living the values. It's just so much we can say on that. Uh, Wendy, what about you? What do you think about the state of talent development now? What do you think that we need more of or, or less of in talent development? I really, not to say ditto, or, but I think John's hitting the nail on the head is, you know, a lot of times we're, we're shoving things in so fast and changing things so fast. We don't take the time to sit back and make sure people are absorbing it and understanding how it works. And the world is moving so fast. We're trying to keep up. But it's hard to learn something new, gain new skills, and still do your day job. You're still supposed to be successful. You're still supposed to be producing. Yet, here's a new tool. How do I use it? Or, you know, I've got this special hobbled together process we did on this thing a while ago. But does this still work in the new process? And how does this all fit together? So I think we need to, to slow down, figure out what people need, figure out what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, and how do we help play up those strengths? The other thing that I've been reading about around talent development too is we spend a lot of time figuring out how to bring up people's weaknesses when maybe we don't need to. Because yeah. someone else who can pick up that slack, so let's play to people's strengths more. Yep. Not Let's not force everyone to be... I'll pick on us. Not everyone can podcast. Right. <laughs> everyone should podcast. Yeah. But other there are other skills out there where you can be a part of that. We were talking about that with my oldest daughter because she took some tests at school. And so she supposedly should go into video in some way, shape or form. So producing videos and editing videos and doing animation type stuff. And so she and I were talking about it. And it's like, when you think about video, it's not just pointing a camera at somebody. And my husband does that. So he would definitely know all the ins and outs. But if you're on a big show, there's a lot of different moving pieces and you need all those different skills to have a successful show. So I think we need to think about that more in everyday workplaces and how can we all fit together to make a successful show and get to that ultimate end that we're looking for. 
Yeah, so important. And it, and, it, and you got to start by understanding people's strengths, right? right. I had a few people on talking about the the strengths finder and, and uh, you know, there's more of a strengths movement out there. I have yes. gotten more into this as I've gotten older and more experienced that to get really into self-awareness, understanding my strengths and think more about how do I leverage those and not worry about the weaknesses instead of spending so much time trying to fix the weaknesses and so many exactly. companies and, you know, the way they're set up with performance reviews and things like that are, you know, let's evaluate people, let's hone in on those weaknesses and tell them, give them feedback so they can fix those instead of spending time thinking about, okay, what are their strengths? How can we move them around the organization and right. match them with a role that would actually leverage their strengths and get them excited about coming to work? Yeah, I hate the traditional performance evaluation because you just, I haven't come out of one of those in a really long time feeling good about myself even on really positive ones, because they have to come back with, well, here's something you need to work on. Here's where you suck. <laughs> but see, and I think that's one of the issues. My philosophy on that is a review should have no shocks. Right. In other oh, words, exactly. if I have done my job effectively as a leader and I have coached you throughout the year, told you what's going well, and to your point, not trying to make everybody boost up what's poor, but certainly working on the things you need to work on. If I've told you that throughout the year, when you walk in, you shouldn't be shocked or disappointed or upset because it ought to be just memorializing what we've talked about. And, oh, and if exactly. anything, it should be more of a springboard for, hey, here's what went well this year. Here's what here's what we need to work on. But oh, by right. the way, hey, you guess what? People talk about career development. We don't talk enough about that either. Or what oh, do you want to do sure. when you grow up? Or, you know, yes. hey, Andy, what do you see as your next step here? Where would you like to go? A lot of companies are I think they're trying to improve. I think to your point, you know, you hear more about people using skill finders and, and determining what may be a better fit, for lack of a better word, as far as the, those skills. But I think a lot of times it, it's, again, just like the the lack of training or change management. It's also that lack of coaching and being effective when it comes to telling people how they're doing, what they're doing well, what they're doing not. So that if it's an annual review, which I mean, I think that's been a big thing when the last four or five years, right. do you blow it up? Do you do quarterlies? Do you do it? And a lot of companies are, right? A lot of yeah, companies absolutely. are blowing up the absolutely. annual review yeah. and everybody's trying to figure it out and saying, you know, continuous feedback, right. none of this, like no no surprises at the end of the yeah. year. You know, remember that project that you worked on seven months ago right. and you didn't, you know, you didn't show up to, uh, to work on time that one day. Right. Yep. Uh, right. You know, yep. It's, it's ridiculous. But I love that you brought up the career development and people really like figuring out their strengths, self-awareness, what do they want to do when they grow up, like you said. And we're always in a state of, we're going to grow up one day, right? We never have it all figured out. <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm glad you brought it up because I'm, I'm reading a book. I'm reading a book. I read a lot of books. I'm writing a book, my first <laughs> book right now on this very topic about taking ownership of your career because I think so many people are not doing that, right? They're not really figuring out what are my strengths? What do I really like? Where do I want to go with my career? What do I want to do? And then they're not having those discussions with their managers or their colleagues and finding out where they can go. And the managers aren't doing that either which causes the thing I'm hearing the most about, which is that inflection point of two to three years where people leave their companies because they're frustrated and they don't know what to do. And I'm wondering, are you seeing that? Are you hearing that with people you talk to as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think part of it is a maturity thing. I know, and I kind of, you know, reflecting on 20 years I've been doing this, personally, I look at kind of my path and it's all over the place. And I fully acknowledge that. And I love the fact that I did all these things, you know, and bounced all around in, in the business. But I'm in a place now where I kind of know what I want, what I like doing, what I do well. And thankfully, I'm working for management that is supportive of that and wants me to do those things, right? In other words, I've kind of found what works for me and what works for them. And as long as we continue to produce, we're humming along. But it took me a long time to figure out what that was. And I, like I said, maybe it's a partially age or may, part of it was I used to worry about, look, I got to have a paycheck, I got to have this, that, and the other. And right. so, yeah, I'm going to hum along and do what I need to do. But I got to a point where midlife crisis, where I decided I want to be happy with what I'm doing and who, yeah. who I'm working with and what I'm doing. And so, you know, we've through the yeah, podcast all, and all these other things, yeah. it's, you know, kind of found that sweet spot. We're all still trying to figure it out. And my good friend, Kevin Yates, who is speaking at my conference next week, is watching us live right now. He just commented, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be when I grow up. I think we all are. You know, I think the thing about it is that because I was having a conversation similar to this before and at work and someone was like, oh, you know, kids these days, they don't want to stick around at a job and you got to stick it out for a while. And I'm just kind of like, why? We've done that. And nobody's waiting at the end of the road with a gold watch for you anymore. And who wants a gold watch <laughs> after putting in your time? And 
And that's is it, just, is it an Apple Watch? <laughs> maybe. Well, you know, if it's a gold Apple Watch, maybe then I will. But people talk about how employees don't have loyalty. Well, employers have really never had a lot of loyalty to their workers. There's always been layoffs. There's always been ways of when they're going to reduce costs, the first thing they look at is labor, which is, in my opinion, as an you know, HR professional, is not the first place you should be looking to save money. Right. That doesn't help you. But we need to think about careers differently. And it's okay if you're doing something in your 40s that's different from when you're in your 20s, where when I graduated college, I thought I was going to go to law school. I worked as a paralegal for a few years and I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Went and did some customer service, worked for the airlines. And I was working for United Airlines in baggage service. And my boss's wife worked in recruitment. And he's like, hey, Wendy, I think you'd be good at this job my wife has open. You should go apply for it. Next thing I know, I'm in recruitment. And that was, you know. That's how careers work. That's how it works. And you just kind of, you know, you take it along and got laid off from the airlines, had to go find, you know, what else am I going to do? Ended up in healthcare. And I found I do enjoy healthcare, tried some other areas of HR, don't like the other areas. And so now I feel like, okay. 47 years old. And now I kind of know what I I like doing. I like the work that I'm doing at the healthcare system, but I also have found this, the podcasting world, the tweeting world. (laughs) And if someone would pay me to just go to conferences and tweet out HR knowledge, I would be very happy. So put that out (laughs) to the universe there. (laughs) What did you, uh, while we're on this subject, by the way, uh, I'll ask a question to you of you that you ask all of your guests on your show. What was your dream as a child? What did you want to be when you were growing up? It was a lot of different things. Growing up in a small town, it was a a nurse for a while or a teacher. And then when I got to high school, that's kind of around the time when I was like, well, maybe I want to go to law school or teach at the college level. But four years of college was, I was done. (laughs) John? Very simple. As a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. (laughs) It's all I dreamed of. I studied space. I had every book NASA published for kids. I went to space camp. I actually was there right before they filmed the movie. That shows my age. I was there literally. I was the last camp before they started filming space camp, the movie. Yeah, it was all I wanted to be. I had astronaut wallpaper up until (laughs) I was in high school. Then you know, I'm a big boy and I I have really poor vision, so it wasn't going to work out. But uh, Mm. that was from about five or six all the way up until really probably, you know, in the middle school, even it was something I dreamed of. And oh, by the way, I'm not good at math. So it wasn't going to work out that way. But it it was, yeah, I was always, I was ate up about space. I wanted to be an astronaut. Sorry, John, I know you want to be an astronaut, but you're going to work in HR instead. (laughs) Well, and then I thought I was going to say, I thought I was going to be Mr. Holland and save the world as being a band director. And that didn't work out either. So, well, Like I said on your podcast, I wanted to be a professional baseball player and I just wasn't very good. I I always led my team in strikeouts, which is not a stat that they're attracted to when you're trying to get uh, make the big team. But but coming back to HR, Wendy, something you said earlier about learning at work and trying to figure out how to make time for that. Our uh, one of the biggest names in HR, of course, is Josh Burson, and he has he's known for something called learning in the flow of work. He talks about all the time and how learning needs to be kind of integrated into that world of work. And yet, it's a pretty difficult concept to actually implement because there is so many things going on. Do you do you see companies implementing this well? How are they doing learning in different ways? To do it right, you need to have a concerted effort to it. And you you need to demonstrate to your employees that it is important and that you give them the time to do it. Where at my healthcare system, we were doing a lot of learning for our talent advisors, our recruiters. And there, our leaders are modeling how they want us to act during this training. We do some in-person training. We do some of it online. And whenever we're in all together, everyone turns off their email. Our leaders are in the room and they're not answering their emails. They're not on the phone. They're in there with us learning. And so uh, that's what leaders need to do. If you want, you really want it to be part of your culture, you need to lead it. You need to model it because otherwise you're just giving it lip service. And if you're in a training session and your your team is in there and you want them to pay attention, but you're on your phone or you're answering emails, they're not going to pay attention. They're not going to get anything out of it. And they're just be like, you know, I could be back at my desk making phone calls right now 
But as long as you are, you know, and then you give them a little leeway in some of their performance metrics because, well, we know we're not going to get as many offers out because we're doing a three-hour training today, but this three-hour... This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. training is important. So nobody's going to get dinged for that. Yeah. What do you think, John? I'm really fortunate to work for a company that, you know, you think of construction, you don't necessarily think of training other than maybe literally how to swing a shovel, (laughs) but it's much more than that. One of the things we really pride ourselves on is that there are standards in terms of every teammate. It doesn't matter what you do, whether it's in the field, if it's as an HR person, if it's across the board, you know, every teammate has certain hours they have to do in training every year which is great because obviously some of it is driven by DOT or OSHA or things that we have to do from a compliance perspective. But a lot of it is kind of self-driven too. You know, for me, it's going to conferences, it's doing those types of things. Some of my peers, maybe they want to go take a class. You know, I want to take a, I'm an engineer and I want to get better at this, go take that class of engineering or whatever it may be. I know that's not common in a lot of places. So I, I appreciate the fact that I'm in a place where we really support it you know, we started talking briefly before we went online. I'm really also excited because we're launching an internal podcast where a focus of that is going to be training and, and delivering it in a different way. Knowing that we can't get to everybody all the time. Here's some on-demand things that every once in a while you're going to get questions about what we do. And so there you go. Here it is. Go out, pull it down, listen to it, ask questions when you need to and go from there. So I certainly see it and, and again, I think everybody's a work in progress. I feel like people want to do things the right way. The majority of people, you know, we see that in our community that we've developed through the podcast, through the Twitter chats. You know, a lot of practitioners are working for organizations where they're trying to get better. They want to be better people and develop more productive and healthy and good citizens, right? You know, beyond what we do. I think there's a lot of really good that people don't hear about. And hopefully what we do, what you do, People do hear those things. Maybe they hear it from somebody. I'm also a big believer in that. You never know. You may say something entirely different than I do. Same content, right? But you say it in a way that it hits somebody, whereas I may say it to somebody else and it hits them differently too. Putting those out there and putting your voice out there and making sure that we're having those conversations is absolutely critical. Absolutely. You mentioned starting an internal podcast. I think more companies are doing that to get information out to their people because everybody's listening to podcasts anyway, right? It's the best way to learn, I think. I'm starting to hear from more listeners who reach out to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting an internal podcast. Can you give me some advice? I have a friend who that's part his main business is starting podcasts for companies internally. But I want to get to your podcast. You have the HR Social Hour, which is big in the HR space. And I'm curious how you got into podcasting and how that got started. All right. Well, I'll tell the story. <laughs> I was going to say, John, you're the, pod, so you're the I, podcaster, so you can, I, you can start it. I have been podcasting for six plus years now. I do an 80s podcast with friends of mine. My friend started his show 10 years ago, and he just celebrated 10 years a couple weeks ago, as a matter of fact. So uh, that show is called Star Joe's, and it's literally everything 80s property, Star Wars to G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, the whole nine yards. So I've been a co-host on that show for a long time. I've just been just as much as we found passionate people in the HR community, found passionate comic book nerds and GI Joe nerds and Transformers nerds that I've gotten to be friends with doing it. And so we had launched our Twitter chat, the HR social hour two years ago or mid 2017. And I called Wendy and said, look, I really love podcasting. I love this medium in so many ways. And for so many reasons, I have a lot of windshield time. So I listen to a lot of content from a lot of different sources but I said, I really want to do this. I want to have a co-host. Would you be willing to try this with me? And she said, sure. And we wanted to do something different from other podcasters. 
There are so many great shows in our space, but we wanted to focus on the people piece and really the individuals, the other, as we say, the cool people that we get to meet like you, we want to introduce cool people to cool people. And so, you know, the whole idea behind the show, you know, kind of our tenants are that, you know, we power of connection and giving back to your community, be it HR or your community at large. And then the whole idea of building your network, just like you talk about a lot. Those are kind of the three tenants of the show. And, and again, it's a 30-minute conversation, a cup of coffee with somebody, getting to know them. So if you meet them down the road, hey, Andy, I heard you on John and Wendy's show. You know, I understand you like Milan. Well, I loved Milan. It was my fa- you know, my kid's favorite movie or my favorite movie. Yeah. What we've learned is that we get people to tell stories or talk about themselves in a way that they're typically not because we're not talking about FLSA. We're not talking about we're not necessarily talking about training and development from a technical perspective. It's more the, you know, hey, we need to get better at it because here's what happens when we suck. Right? <laughs> but it's, I guess, a more personal conversation. And what we find is that people, you may know somebody for years, but they end up saying something on our show that you would have never heard because yeah. you don't necessarily have those conversations. So, yeah, we launched two years ago. It'll be uh, two years. Actually, yesterday was two years that we recorded our first show. Episode yeah. 99 just came out today. And yeah, we've put out 143 shows in the last two years and very proud and very excited. It just That's keeps cool. humming and it's been a great, been a great ride. I love what you're doing. And you said 99 came out today. And of course, this will publish later. And what episode number am I on? 103. Episode 103. <laughs> awesome. Good to know. Yeah. 103. Um, I also want to highlight something because I am, as you know, from our previous conversation on your show, really big on networking have been for many years, both in person, going to conferences and networking events, things like that. And also online through social media. I've made so many friends through Facebook, LinkedIn that have turned into real life friends, just like my man, Kevin Yates, who's been listening and commenting. Uh, We connected (laughs) on LinkedIn and then uh, finally had had lunch in person (laughs) the last time I was in Chicago. And now he's speaking at my conference. So these are how these things come together. And I understand Mm -hmm. the two of you met on Twitter. Is that right? We did. And I think John figured out it was, he dug into the backlog of Twitter and found like it was 2014, the first time we actually connected online. So last year we were invited to give the keynote address at the Sherm Young Professionals event at the Sherm National Conference. And so he kind of dug into that a little bit and kind of went back to it. So we actually met on Twitter chats. Sherm hosted one called Next Chat. It was weekly. And so you could go there Wednesday afternoon and um, chat with other HR professionals about some HR topic. And so that's really where we connected. That's where the community that we're connected to blossomed out of and various connections that happened that way, the web of the World Wide Web, I guess. So for us, it was natural to kind of go into the Twitter chat world and start there with um, building the community through the HR social hour, which actually came out because we weren't at a Sherm National Conference. We had met it in 2016 at a national conference. Neither one of us could go in 2017 and we were having serious FOMO online. So we're like, oh, let's just have our own Twitter chat. (laughs) So we did. So yeah, almost three years later, here we are with the two monthly chats. And it's nice because I I find online, the Twitter, the LinkedIn networking great for the initial contact. When I go to a conference, I like to know who I'm going to meet. I like to know who kind of set up meetings and lunches or coffees and have that opportunity to meet people one-on-one. I'm kind of introverted, so I don't like to just go out and mingle randomly I never liked the networking events where you were trying to collect the most business cards. So being able to make those connections ahead of time, make those plans and say, okay, I know I'm going to go out Tuesday night and meet these people and we're going to go to this restaurant. So then I can actually stalk them online a little bit more and figure out, oh, what should we talk about? And so that's where our podcast kind of comes in too. Because you know, if you want to meet somebody, you can listen to the podcast and then, oh, we have, like John said, we have these things in common. So we, I know what we're going to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it's the HR social hour, but you also have yeah. Twitter chats. It's about socializing, which some people scoff at social media or whatever, but like it's, yeah. it's the modern way that you can connect yeah. with so many amazing people. And then you can take that friendship and, and take it to uh, IRL, as they call it, in real life. <laughs> right? exactly. And now you can be real friends, exactly. and we, but we can be on video and we'll meet at a conference and it'll be like, hey, yeah, we've hung out many times already. Well, the yeah. fact that we met people, we met HR practitioners from literally the other side of the globe, Australia. Right. South Africa, India, 
we met them online, had conversations online, but then when we met them in person, sat down and cracked out the recorder and had a conversation mm-hmm. while the legal things are different based on the country. And so many of the people issues are the same. You know, yeah. Training issues are the same. People paying people enough is, is, is yeah. it can be an issue. All the, you know, there's so many universal uh, things out there. That to me was one of the most best things that's come of this whole thing is yeah. meeting, oh, some, you know, sure. meeting people to your point, you know, meeting great people. But then we had a guest one time said, Oh, you have the the largest Rolodex of HR professionals in the way I know, <laughs> right? All yeah. these people that, you know, I can then, if whatever we need, hey, somebody for training, somebody for an ATS, whatever yeah. it is, we yeah. probably know somebody. We probably had somebody on the show that is an expert in right. that. Or if we haven't, they know the person that knows the person. Right. And exactly. you do it through the, the podcast and social media connections. And I always say my goal is to be the, the most connected man in talent development. And how <laughs> am I going to do that? You know, I'm not going to go to every office in America, right. and, you know, meet like you got to do it through the podcast and through. Well, and you like, you yeah. can't go to every conference. You, you just can't. I try. I try. You physically I'm, cannot I'm, go to every yeah. single conference. <laughs> got a business to run and kids and all that stuff. So right. and a limited budget. Um, right. It's a little difficult, but I do go to a lot of conferences and and I love it for networking. And that's why I started my own, which is coming up a week from now as we're recording this. So that's really cool how you brought that together and you, you've had so many great guests on your show. What do you think is, other than what we've maybe talked about so far, what's the biggest trend that you're following in HR or talent development? Wendy, we'll start with you. Oh, biggest trend. That's a good question. There's so many things going on. I'm, I'm watching a lot of stuff in the, the D&I space. Or I should say diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're right. adding, adding equity into yep, that. The DEI, yep. DEI. So watching a lot of that, just watching people be more intentional and what it really means to be inclusive and finding those definitions there and helping people kind of figure out, I hate to say the new world that we're in, but it is. And what's the new normal and and how do we normalize those conversations after growing up for so many years with we're all colorblind, which is a lie and recognizing the special, not just the special challenges, but the special knowledge and experiences that everyone brings into the organization. So I'm really excited to see where the world is going as many bad things as there are. There's so much good happening in the world of DE&I. So I'm excited to see where that's going. Yeah, I agree 100%. John, what about you? What's the biggest trend you're seeing or following in HR talent development? I think diversity, equity, inclusion has certainly been big. AI is, you know, AI, we heard about the bots and Skynet's real. But, you know, I think for me, we continue to be in this market where there are fewer people than there are jobs. That's not changing anytime soon. The whole way that companies communicate with the passive candidate, keep them engaged, keep them interested, make sure that they're telling their stories in a way to get those people interested so that if you do suddenly decide I'm going to look for a job or, hey, by the way, did you know XYZ is hiring that they've got a positive thoughts, good ideas about you? It's been really interesting. We've been interviewing interns the last several days. And, you know, I see that as a tremendous pipeline of talent to determine, is that person a long-term fit for us and are we for them, right? And, you know, not every company is for every person and vice versa. But it's been really interesting to talk to some of these students, some of which did a, a lot of research, really wanted to make sure they understood who they were talking to. And what they told me is, we're reading up on you. We're talking to other people, finding students that have worked there, asking them questions and trying to you know build as positive brand and image as you can. I think it's going to be interesting, though, again, with knowing the pool as tight as it's going to be. How are companies keeping themselves front of mind for those people that may not be looking right now, but that maybe the right opportunity comes along and that they say, hey, that's a place I want to be. Yeah, it's building a brand. And, and I've come yeah. across more and more companies have positions now, people who are in charge of employee branding. And how do you build that brand? externally and internally and keep marketing to people because you got to keep building that pipeline of talent. So when they're ready and the timing is right, then they'll come in. I went to the LinkedIn Talent Connect conference, speaking of conferences, back in September (laughs) in Dallas for 4,600 people there. And I met quite a few who were in charge of employee branding. It's definitely a big and growing title or position. I always love talking about how the world of work is changing. Positions are being created and eliminated. And that's something that probably didn't exist much 10 years ago. I didn't prepare you for this question, but I always like to ask for a book recommendation from my guests. So what's a book that's made a big impact on you or that you end up recommending a lot? Well, I'm going to go with one I just finished because the best book I read is always the last book I read. Um, (laughs) That's common. (laughs) I just finished a memo by Minda Hartz, where she talks about her experiences in the workplace as a woman of color, 
coming up and the challenges. And really, it's an encouraging book. It's, it's a hard book to read, but it's very encouraging about how to not just get your seat at the table, but bring other people along. Because there's a lot of times, especially women, where we get our seat at the table and then we're like, all right, no more. No one else can come up. It's just, but lending out that helping hand and lifting others up because there's plenty of room. It's, you know, life is not zero sum, but highly recommend Minda's book. I absolutely loved reading it. Like I said, it's a little challenging, but I'd go pick it up. Awesome. What about you, John? Most people are going to find this hard to believe. Wendy and I are very fortunate to attend a lot of conferences as well. You know, we're speaking, sometimes we go as social media team members where we're tweeting and sharing content during keynotes and such. We attended an event last year in New York City, HR Redefined, where we heard Valerie Condos Field, who is the retired UCLA gymnastics coach, seven-time national championship coach, coached pretty much every name female gymnast you can think of. She touched them and some worked with them in some way. Her book's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Hmm. And I know people probably are surprised that this middle-aged guy is talking about this <laughs> gymnastics coach. Uh, she, is, she is one of the few people that almost made me cry when I heard her speak. Incredibly powerful, just a powerful woman that's got this amazing background. And, you know, again, we had her on our show. It's the one guest we've ever had to work through an agent to get. <laughs> and, and it was so worth it because yeah. she gave us 40 minutes of her life. She didn't have to. In fact, we asked her, we said, oh, what else have you been up to today? She said, I just got off an interview with USA Today. Like, wait, And you. And so here and, and here we're trying to, you know, we did explain to her. We saw you speak at HR Redefined. You know, we know you're probably surprised. Why do these two HR people want to talk to you? But we talked about how did she put a team together? She's not a gymnast. Mm. She was a dancer, but Mm. she put together a team of specialists to help coach her, her students and her gymnasts. And again, seven time national champion, you know, it's done all kinds of stuff. And it's just this powerful personality and speaker. She was friends with John Wooden. So she told us about, you know, her relationship with him Mm -hmm. and the later part of his life. But that book is great. If again, just a different perspective on leadership. But as I say, she is a, a bundle of energy that cannot oh. be contained. And if you get She's a chance fantastic. to hear her speak, go do it because she'll make you dance. She'll make you cry. And, yeah. and I, I just love her. I think she is my favorite interview of the year last year. I've told people that I don't care yeah. who's listening. She was my favorite interview, and it was sadly one of those shows that didn't get as many downloads because yeah. she's not an HR person. Right. So people were like, who is this lady? Right. And so on our- and You're our, like, I had to go to a booking agent to get this. Yeah. Oh, right. you know, again. Like <laughs> I said, the USA Today. The fact that this lady who, again, just retired as the preeminent coach in her field, right. literally left UCLA, came home, got on the phone 15 minutes late with us, apologized and said, you know, I'm really sorry. I didn't think I was going to, I thought I'd be able to do it here, but you know, whatever it was, but again, then spent 40 minutes with us talking about these things when she never had to do that. No. And and in fact, since we share it every once in a while, she'll retweet or she'll comment. I just love her. And so yeah, yeah, that's, that's my book recommendation. Life is short. Don't wait to dance. And that is, uh, that's not what do I, what I would have expected. <laughs> you. Uh, but we got a comment on the LinkedIn feed here from uh, one of your fans, maybe Renee Robson, who said, ah. I'm never surprised with anything you say, John. <laughs> <laughs> Renee's a great friend in Australia. She's awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. on that note, we'll wrap things up pretty soon. But since we talked about a book you're reading, one of the questions you always ask your guests is what is your favorite all-time favorite movie? So I'd love to hear your answer. You asked me on your show, uh, what's your all-time favorite movie? My all-time favorite movie is A Christmas Story. Ooh, okay. I'm a huge fan of Gene Shepard, and my uncle's name is Ralph. My uncle and my father of that vintage. My uncle had a Red Ryder BB gun. If you've never read the book, it's In God We Trust All Others Pay Cash, which was a series of short stories that Gene Shepard wrote for Playboy in the sixties and they put them together. And that book, that movie is based on that, the Christmas story in the book, but there's some other things that are pulled in. Gene Shepard was an American treasure. The guy was just incredibly brilliant writer. I've read, I've read all the books that he put out and yeah, Christmas story. I've seen it since I saw it in the theater in 1983 and we watch it every year with my family, you know, on Christmas. It is a family tradition since 1985 when we had a VHS copy off of HBO. But yeah, hands down, my favorite movie all time. That's fantastic. And it would be even better if you had a lamp, a leg lamp. Behind I, you. Believe, well, I don't have I don't have it out, but I do have a miniature 
lamp that my wife was kind enough to get me many years ago. I think maybe when we were dating, but yeah, I, oh, I've God. got one. I just don't keep it on display. That's awesome. What about you, Wendy? Uh, well, I have two. The first one is also a Christmas movie, Christmas Vacation. Oh, it's it. tradition in our house as well. We have to, day after Thanksgiving, we watch Christmas Vacation and put up the Christmas tree and I can watch it every day. We say the lines together. It's a phenomenal show. Just absolutely adore it. The other one is The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. I am a sucker for a big, massive, overblown, over budget, <laughs> classic <laughs> Bible story told with very, with no biblical references. <laughs> Definitely not rooted in, in history, but yeah. the overacting and from that show is just, I just adore it. And that's another one where usually around Easter, we'll watch it. I'll grab myself a glass of wine. We'll put in the Blu-ray and I'll live tweet it. <laughs> of course. You're all over Twitter. And the, that's, what and the that's, that's what we do now. Live, we, we live tweeting shows. a movie that's probably 40 years old. That's, uh, that's uh, awesome. a little older than 40. Or more than, yeah, I guess well, more than it, that. You, you should have seen it. This Christmas, though, Andy, was the kicker. We live tweeted the Star Wars holiday special oh, from 1978. God. Which, if you okay. are a Star Wars fan and you haven't seen it, don't subject don't. yourself to that kind of pain. Don't watch Rise of Star Wars Skywalker yeah. instead. Yeah, we- <laughs> if you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. We live tweeted <laughs> We live tweeted the Star Wars holiday special and I think people probably haven't forgiven us yet. <laughs> you guys no, are I nerds. still can't believe I did that. I, <laughs> I love it. All right, let's bring it back to HR and bring this home for those listening in HR or talent development who are looking to accelerate their career and be successful in that field. What's one more piece of advice you would give them? We'll start with you, John. Learn your business. Mm. I don't care if you know every law and every subset code. Those are important. Don't get me wrong. Those are important to understand. And you can have certifications, you can have degrees, all those things are wonderful. But if you don't understand what widgets your company is making and you can't speak to that, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to get buy-in. You've got to understand whatever that product is. And I tell the story because I can. I worked for a public utility. I worked with a lot of great practitioners. Some of them had never been in a power plant. Mm. And I don't understand how you can work for a company that their primary business is generating electricity how you can't go to a power plant and understand how the power is made because how the power is made and distributed and the bills get paid is how you have a job. Right. And again, if you're trying, particularly, you know, as a recruiter, I had to be able to talk to engineers, operators, people. I never operated a single piece of power plant equipment in my life, right. but I spent enough time in them that I could talk to people and have a reasonable conversation about it. Yeah. I'm just a big fan of whatever business it is, read up on it. Yeah. Don't, there's no dumb question. If you're in a session and somebody, yeah. Throws out an acronym, ask later. Hey, what does mm-hmm. blue-haired banana boat driver mean? It yep. shows your level of interest and engagement. And again, people are going to listen to you when you have to tell the rank and file subset, you're doing this and this. We're not just the compliance police anymore. We shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not going to get past that if you can't do that, if you don't understand the business and aren't aren't able to explain. Right. Yeah. Explain people it. are going to be rolling their eyes thinking this guy doesn't know. <laughs> That's right. So right. I, I love that. I love that advice. You know, I run business simulations for a living and I teach people how the business works. And I think that's the, the biggest challenge in HR and, and more HR professionals need to get to know how the business works. So I agree. Yep. What about you, Wendy? I'm also encouraging you to get out of the office, but mm. in this one, not just to learn about your business, but learn about your profession and not just how you do it in your own organization. Get out, network, learn from other people, 
just because you've been doing something this way for however many years doesn't mean you're not doing it right, but it maybe you're not doing it the best, most effective way. There are a lot of great processes and great things to learn out there. People are doing really awesome stuff. But if you just stay within your four walls of your organization, if you only network with people in your organization, you're not going to get any better. You're not going to do anything different. And you're not going to help move your organization to the next level. You can't do that within your own four walls. You have to learn from other people. I love it. I think it's safe to assume that all three of us are a big fan of networking on this (laughs) show. And it shows, it shows, here we are. All right, so in, in the spirit of networking and learning and people connecting, where is the best place for people to connect with you and follow you? We'll start with you, Wendy. Best way is uh, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And all of my social is there. But also, we always like to encourage people to join our Twitter chats. We are the second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Join us with the hashtag HR Social Hour on Twitter. And we have a lot of fun. We usually, sometimes we're light. Sometimes we might be a little bit heavier. This month, our January was all about talent acquisition and finding a new job. We partnered with Job Hunt Chat. We've got Centennial coming to the last one this month and uh, we'll have more fun topics throughout the year. So love to see y'all there. Cool. And what about you, John? Find me at hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. You'll find access to all my information there. And yeah, you can find the show wherever you may be listening to this. If you're not watching the live stream, we're on all your major platforms and love for you to check us out and give it a shot. Again, the show that we did with you earlier tonight is going to come out on February 13th. That'll be episode 103. So we'll right, 103. definitely be blasting the message when it comes. Awesome. Yeah. HR social hour. And of course you can connect with all of us on LinkedIn yes. as well as Twitter. We are all on there. I'm also very active on Instagram as well. So find me there. And man, this has been so awesome to connect with (laughs) you like-minded podcasters in the HR space. Fun, we had a couple other really active HR, social media people following us uh, along on the live stream and uh, it was cool to see them. So thank you everybody who joined live. John, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge, wisdom, and experience. This has been fantastic for me and I hope it has been for our listeners as well. So thank you again for joining me on the Talent Hot Seat. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Andy. All right, take care. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.